Hi, this is Adam Hastings, and you're listening to the Cherry Jam Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Series 5, Episode 13 of Cherry Jam. Myself, Ed Price, James Eastwood, also known as Snowy, and Jim Harley. Um, episode 13, unlucky for some, as Jim has just said. Uh, dear me. Last gasp. Pain and suffering for Gloucester Rugby again. Uh, a much improved performance from last week, obviously. But another defeat. Uh, we're going to pick the bones out of that. We're going to talk also about the um, Premiership 2 idea that's more or less dead on arrival. Um, and also, um, we will start actually with a development from the end of today's game at Exeter. Um, and I think this is one of those not no-brainer, ridiculous things that we have to sort of say. But racism is really, really bad. And um, I have to say, all our thoughts really for Ugo Monia on having to experience some what you know apparently you know from his description um a really horrendous incident at sandy park after the game today um i'm not going to use the words that he did um but safe to say the worst possible thing you could possibly say um to a, a, a black man in, in in the uk um and i think it's just a case of making sure that both extra and gloucester who said they're going to do their best to ex- identify and help uh, find the person and be responsible, but absolutely no place for it in rugby. Um, if you want to comment, lads, please do. But it's um, really just well, not I acceptable. Just think what Hugo kind of tweeted about, and you could tell um, that that wasn't Hugo tweeting as a, a rugby pundit or you know a professional journalist in the rugby world. He was tweeting very much as an angry man, understandably yeah. so. Um, I don't know if his tweets have been um, edited, revoked or anything like that. I, I would think he didn't need to. No. Um, but clearly, um, you know, as, as, you, as you said, Ed, no place for it. And I would just echo Ugo's comments that mm. everyone, um, rugby is uh, a wonderful community and has incredible values and, uh, we're very quick to jump on someone when maybe they shout something silly when someone's about to make a, a penalty or a conversion kick. You know, we like to have that. Um, maybe that's a little bit easy to go, no, 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 we don't do that in the shed or we don't do that in the grandstand or whatever. But, you know, situations like this, whether it's in a stadium, in the high street, in the workplace, um, everyone has a moral responsibility to stand up and say something. Um, and there may be situations where for whatever physical reason you feel intimidated and you can't, but you know, absolutely it should be something that we do not accept uh, in society. So fair play to Ugo for calling it out because clearly there were a lot of people there that didn't appear to at the time and obviously should have done. Um, and I'd like to think, as you said earlier in our uh, in our thread, uh, you know, if 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 you were there, you'd have done something about it. You're sure, uh, and I'm quite sure I would have done the same. So, yeah, what an Exeter for and Gloucester for you know reacting to it quickly, and it shouldn't be too hard to find out who it was and um, get him a lifetime ban from the ground and all the other, and all the other. Yeah, I was going to say a lifetime ban for rugby, and and, and to be fair, they can I can if they can identify it. Uh, identify the person uh, um, responsible, um, you know, it should be 
pretty easy to prosecute as well if you've got um, other people who are willing forward come to come forward and um, cooperate. Um, yeah, so really sad uh, end to that particular day. Um, a day that a game that started not great for Gloucester um, in terms of our, our early first what, 20 minutes. Snowy, I know you were listening on the radio. So it'd be interesting actually to get your sort of take listening to it your impression of 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 those first 20 minutes and obviously Jim and I can kind of compare with our viewing of it yeah so I listened to the first half and then watched the second half mm. uh, and yeah it, well to be fair it sounded like it was kind of back and forth a bit in the first half um they had the early pressure first first five minutes yellow mm. card um went to try up but I it didn't really I thought the the crowd on the radio at least, seemed very quiet for Sandy Park. Um, it's interesting you say that, James, because that was something that, um, that Austin Healy mentioned about um, the Leicester crowd and about needing sort of a bit of music and get the DJs to do something. And that was evident that at Sandy Park, there was a lot of piped music and mm. noise, artificial noise, that seemed to be trying to generate atmosphere. Mm. Yeah, which isn't what you normally have at Exeter. There's normally no, no. a lot of natural crowd noise, and but it's a bit odd. Um, yeah, Exeter had a bit of pressure. We had, we had a bit of pressure back and failed to. We had we were camped on their line um, and failed to execute and take any points away um, when we were seven 0 down. And that I thought that might be the sort of writing for the game. But by no means were we being pummeled which is often the case when when we go away to yeah. Exeter it's like how can we find an edge into the game I don't I don't think ex, I don't think this Exeter side are great at the moment um I don't think they played very well all game having then watched properly the second half I don't think yeah. they were a great side um so yeah that was weird it was a bit of a damp squid from Exeter we we looked quite sharp sometimes when we moved the ball um but I mean it's hard to just summarize the early part of the game without going into the whole of the game but no that's fair enough uh, yeah <laughs> I, I mean to be fair i think i think it was slightly disappointing that first five minutes with obviously they're quite right um jack clement yellow card um I, i'm kind of sick and tired of it now look get lower it's just simple as that all right we all know to a c we had a big impact on where jack clement collided um with the extra player but if jack clement gets lower from the start that doesn't happen yeah, and there are there are players that are low tacklers and they're mm. extremely effective at it. And it so there isn't really an excuse for other players that have just slightly lowered or are hoping to get lucky or try and go low when they can. Mm. Like completely change change your tackle technique, tackle properly. Yeah, and, Sim- and that's, simply that's, that. that's what they're trying to introduce is get everyone tackling around the legs, not only because of the safety aspect, but also it will make for better rugby. Yeah, yeah, the offloading game. The yeah. offloading game works with, with the tackle height being lower. And if the skill level is up, because you're going to have that that player that traditionally might have been the second man in, so one low, one high, well, you're not going to put that second man in high because if they come in high in a split second after the low chop, then you've got no idea what bit of the body you're hitting and it's almost certainly going to not yeah. be the bit you wanted to hit and you're in yellow-red card situation. So... Have faith your man's making the chop tackle. Get yourself poised and ready to make the next tackle for the guy that's being offloaded to. And if they've got the skill set to move it on again and again, fair play to them. But it's going to make for exciting rugby. And mm. and I've proved today 
we have the ability to offload fantastically when yep. when we want to and um maybe we shouldn't push it quite as much as we did today but yeah the skills are there and it's really exciting to watch which is what world rugby clearly want they want rugby to be as as big a spectacle and as exciting as possible yeah yeah and we'll come on to sort of the attacking structures in a bit but the one thing i thought we were very highly critical you know last couple of weeks about our line defense our mall defense and they were two areas that actually we did very well at today. I mean, I'm all defense. Yeah, we, I thought I'm all defense was. I thought it was excellent. More defense. I mean, yeah, we, the number of times extra went for it. Clement probably got away with pulling it down. Yeah, the one in the second half. Yeah, yeah. The more yeah. in the second half, but generally, they looked to be a lot better organized as a as a kind of smother. We'll let them go a couple of meters, but but we won't let them go any further. Mm. Um, and we're not going to let them peel off round and, and, and get behind us. So, I think that's similar to a problem we've had for the last few years. And maybe it's a bit harsh on Gloucester because I think the way the laws are set up kind of make this the case as well. But we can have really good structured, organised defence mm-hmm. for four, five, six phases. And then we have one sloppy tackle or one drop and they get over the line anyway. And I'd I'd love to see the stats on our red line points conceded because i think it's through the roof i think it's very rare that we get out of a defensive set on our yeah. own line and compared yeah. to the opposite when when we're attacking and we often don't convert I, yeah. I reckon that would be a horrific stat i don't have it but i reckon it would be a bad one i i think you're right and to be honest that's probably the difference at the moment it's and, and look it's a huge part of the game but it's fine margins isn't it if we if we increase our red line defence, you know, positivity, whatever you want to call it, our defence ratio by 15%, 10%, and we increase our uh, execution levels in the red zone by in the same amount, that's that's a that's a win. Yeah, yeah, that along with um, unforced errors. And but by unforced yeah. errors, I don't necessarily mean knock-ons and stuff. I mean, like, actually, worse than unforced errors. Think, like, stupidity. Try, trying to pass the ball... 40 meters where mm-hmm. you need yeah to pass like like 25 yeah like five percent chance passes that you should never be shoveling um penalties when the ref has said to you don't do that and then you've done it the amount of times yeah. i've seen a gloucester player do that this season the ref stood next to him shouting release and he's like oh i think i'm gonna i'm actually in a legal position so i'm gonna keep going yeah like, was that yeah. Was that the cicino the one in the in the tackle just yeah, is, oh god <sighs> And that's probably one for watching it live. I was like, oh, come on, he's already ripped it. But on the replay, it was clear. He said tackle. Yeah. And then it was probably two seconds until he said release. Well, tackle means release. Mm. And and then it was probably another second that there was a significant ripping action. Yeah. And... I'm like I was I was annoyed at the time, like initially. I thought, oh come on, ref, that's a bit harsh. Watch the replay. I'm like, no way. That is just stupid. Yeah. As soon as he says tackle, get away from it. That's when yeah. that's when you kind of put him to ground and you get your hands in the air and you have a go on the yeah. ground. You do not mm. carry on trying and ripping. And that is just that's red mist, isn't it? That's a, yeah. I've I've nearly won the ball. I don't care that I'm not allowed to now win it. I can still win it. 
It's top two inches. Yeah, top two inches. Because like I was going to say, the last piece of that is just basic game management that we're rubbish at as well. Yeah, well, well, let's come on to it. So, I mean, we will come back and to talk about some of the positives, which there are positives around the attacking structure. I thought today, I thought the the spirit of the the way the guys bounced back from last week, which is, you know, that's a hard loss. But let's be honest, that last five minutes is not acceptable. Fundamentally, you're nine points up with five minutes to go. You should not lose a game from there. Barring something ridiculous, you shouldn't lose a game from there. We had possession on a few occasions in not horrendous circumstances. So let, let's so let's go let's what you go do is you just yeah calm Lock it, it down. the fuck yeah well bang. you think about it so we 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 concede a penalty i think it was the Cecina thing I might, might be i might be mistaken but we concede the penalty we they go into the corner uh we win the line out and then get the ball and then it's a charge down from a really poorly executed exit um which then leads to the try um, and then you go from the um, from when we go deep and we make them play from ninety meters. They kick it immediately. Number the first mistake was it was that kick wasn't fielded straight away, so it let, they, we let it bounce. So we're now 10, 15, 20 meters back from probably where we should have been. And then the I lo- we, look, we all love Santi, we all love him, but we have to say that that kick that he put up in uh, which we went back to Exeter was poor. It was a poor kick. He, there was no chase. Um, it was too it was too deep. It was too, it was too deep. deep. It, it just made deep. it. They they went up to forty meters with. I think that one tackle. They, 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 yeah, they they made over forty meters. And there was one tackle. Yeah, and then from that phase, we give the penalty away. Slave kicks to win the game. Yeah, that that is as you said, top two inches. Just game management. It's poor game management, and I yeah. don't really know. And I'll come up, come to you, Snow first. Is that because um, uh, we, we, you know, we, we've been fairly critical with the coaching? Is that coaching? Is that just players having brain farts, or is it a combination of many, uh, many of these things together? Well, yeah, obviously it's quite complex, but yeah. the, the, it, it fundamentally comes down to coaching, in my opinion, because you can't say we put our strong side today, like, and as you say, these are international quality players making these mistakes. The the it's not that they're not coached to manage the game. It's that they're not coached in a way that has created a team atmosphere, a gel team where they're all singing off the same hymn sheet and know how to, in that situation, they're like, right, we execute A, B, C, and D as we all know. And we, we're all well drilled in it. And we've, we've done this hundred times in training and yeah. 99 times out of a hundred, we get it right. And it is said they look like headless chickens. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the, the box kick that was charged down, Right, we've turned over possession, right? It's like, have some game awareness. There's five minutes left. We've just got possession back off a stolen line out. When I used to play rugby, we had a call settle. And whenever something like that happened, everyone settle, settle, settle. And you just kill the pace. Get in the line, shape up, slow it down. You'd stick your fly off back 10 meters. Yeah. And fucking boot it. Well, that's right. the thing as well. Right. I didn't so understand because you can, you can do that. You can do that at Exeter. Exeter have got the biggest in goal areas in the country. <laughs> you can. I mean, we did it in the first half on a couple of occasions yeah. where we stuck you Barton ain't way kick back. It dead, are you? No, you can. Yeah, you stick it way back. Um, and, and he he cleared to you know in between the twenty two and the te- and the um, halfway line. Well, um, when we look at um, international rugby in the World Cup, where it's like that class above, you just do not see that sort of shit being shoveled at all. It's all about. Right, set a length down, 
couple of bam, 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 hard yeah. hits up the, the inside channel, make a bit of space, give the fly half time, make the right decision. And it's that like top mental game happening between both sides, like the 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 chess going on. And it's not chess that we're playing. It's like drafts, but it's like two five-year-olds playing and they don't know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that analogy. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, the other thing that's frustrated me as well was just the it, it does seem to be I don't and it's not just Gloucester every every team does this but you go into a position where you are you know you've got to be fairly defensive in the way you play so it's a two minute drill basically that's all it is is a two minute drill yeah, and as you say well they, and, and as you say no the, the the I'll come to you now Jim it's two minutes you you should have at least have right if they kick we do this. If they don't kick, we do this. This is the defensive structure. You know, we're going to blitz, blitz, then we're going to hold. You know, you have these plays and plans in place. I know this because you you can read any sort of or you engage with any sort of professional rugby player in terms of when they talk about this stuff on on social media or there's those brilliant videos that I think Sam Lana does. It, they show this sort of stuff in detail. Um, and it, it, you say it, it. What's really worrying is it does look like we're just kind of oh shit moment we haven't got a clue what we're doing Jim yeah um, and you know when when it was broken field when it was a little bit when it was a little bit bonkers like counter attack turnover ball we looked mega dangerous mm. and we talked about like red you know um, red zone success and red zone defence and stuff like that well for a team that's got such poor <laughs> red zone defence and red zone success, for us to be in the position we were at 75 minutes is fantastic because we had so many opportunities. We really did. Um, and and kind of that's what I'm really, really happy about, I suppose, is that things seem to be working. Um, the, the speed from nine with with young yeah Mickey Young had a good game I thought was good like mm. was really good and it is noticeable that it makes it makes Barton look better yeah, yeah. getting he's getting ball where the opposition is still on the back foot it's giving the likes of Atkinson um, and Harris more time it I think Zamet was frustrated today um, yeah. He didn't get his hands on the ball anything like as much as he would have liked to, but you know he got a try, so he's going to be pleased with that. Um, we um, you know, we scored four. It's we did like, score four. Yeah. Um, so and and it wasn't you know three driving mauls um, from repeated penalties. It was uh, it was it was good quality, really good players with skill. Like that's. <laughs> <I know. laughs> We repeat it all the time. But it's like these are these are good players performing below the sum of their parts, and that's the yep. frustration. And of course, sometimes those good players are going to do good things. And but I mean, even the Atkinson try, I was almost a bit annoyed when we scored it. Well, obviously happy we scored it, but we butchered three three oh, yeah, yeah. overlaps. The phase, the phase before, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> all like, go. It's harder not to score it. Yeah. <laughs> that, one over that happened. That did happen. On numbers, oh. But that one, that one in particular, you know, it's a bit like Harris last week, where you're like, just play the pass. He's in. Yeah. Don't make us. Don't don't oh. like. 
take yeah. it through to but the is that is so is that a a fear of what your teammates might do, i.e. mess it up? Or is that is that just people being selfish or people being tunnel visioned or because no, so it's a lack of it's a lack of cohesion. I think that's yeah, what yeah. it is. I, I I've played in teams that have done that and I've played in teams that haven't even the same team sometimes at different points in the season and stuff when people aren't all singing off the same hymn sheet they're not one team and that's exactly what happens and when you are it's completely different because you're always thinking about how can you get the team to score yeah it's just a completely different mentality it's so so important like that that you know you can see it sometimes can't you that like Ludlow's great for it he will celebrate someone else scoring as hard as he celebrates him scoring because it makes no difference to him at all. It's all about the team. And and if you can have a whole team that absolutely love it, they run a nice line, they held, 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 passed, got nailed, and the guy they've passed to is running in under the sticks. It's like, that's exactly what you should be doing. Um, and it should be applauded. And sometimes, yeah, you just, Oh, let's run into him, give him some shoulder, and then and then they offload off the deck. And and then because that's delayed things by a second, then cover defences in. And and like you say, James, it's like then the ball ends up scoring in the other corner. And you're like, Well, how the hell did you not just score then? Um but yeah, I mean, we're a slice kick away from winning it, aren't we? And do we have a completely different attitude? I like to think on this you, podcast, you say that, we don't. We, we, we were post. a post away. Martin hit the post. Yeah, yeah. Barn in the post for yeah. Yeah, you know, so I, I, I think I think we're pretty good at being consistent on this podcast, and that we don't carried away, get carried away just by the actual result. Because at the same time, there's games we've won this season that yeah. just a very short slice could have gone the other way, and and we'd have lost. And so I think performance, right? Yes, it was a it was a, a step up. Was was intensity higher? I think in periods it was. Yeah, but it, I thought it that that middle pit, that middle. Oh, so from about 50, forty to about seventy minutes, we were, you know, as good as we've been all season, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think, but, I think there uh, were two just restarts. The head, the head wasn't there. Yeah. No. Yeah, there there were two restarts that I was quite aware of in the second half, probably sixty minutes ish. Hmm. Um, it was probably the. Probably the two restarts following our two, our third and fourth try, um, and they both went to Freddie Thomas, and Freddie Thomas looked absolutely out on his feet. He was absolutely dead. They were, t- um, I think, in commentary they just mentioned energy, and he got the ball. He like just literally. Like, I think the first one was because he was he, would, he had no support and he didn't he didn't yeah. want to get he didn't want to get uh, yeah. And he, it was almost like a voluntary tackle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like voluntary yeah. tackle. He went down. But I think he he was obviously not expecting to come on as early as he did. I don't no. know what, how many minutes was it that, uh, that that he came on? Probably like ten or less. So you know, it's 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 that situation. It's that being able to dig deep, and you might not. And I don't want to call anyone out because I think you know they all worked as hard as they could. But mm. it's that it's that moment where when you've got the ball or when you've got that ruck, you you still give it as much as you would have given it in the fifth minute. 
it just maybe takes you a little bit longer to recover ready for the next for the next one but at that moment you still need to give it everything and and you know for for some of the the younger um, younger players it's that it's that ability to kind of maintain the effort that is 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 new is a new thing um the intensity of the premiership is massive um and there is no let up it's going to be like this every single game so yeah, let's look. Let's look at the positives. I think we've shown massive improvement. Um, if you told me we were going to lose by one and have two bonus points, I'd have taken it. Uh, so, I don't think there's any green. Sh- I don't think there's any green shoots there long term, though. I think, I, th- I, I think if we were playing well and sort of winning games at home and generally on on top and together, and you go away at Exeter, you nearly win and you take away two points. You're probably like. That's all right, you know, in the context of the whole season. But as we are now, it's like mm. good players did some good things, but the the critical problems that are going to stop us finishing any higher than tenth this season are still there. And I are we just going yeah. to repeat that every week on the podcast? I don't probably. Well, well, well yeah. that's the fundamental issue, isn't it? I mean, like, I, look, I in no way do we think we're going to win the we, we're going to win the Premiership, right? That's just we we are realistic enough to not to realize that's not going to happen. What we would like is to get in the top four. Now, you look at the top four at the moment, Sale, Bath, Extra, Saracens, and Quinns are on the same points as Extra and Saracens. It wouldn't surprise me if that's not the top four at the end of the season. You might see Extra drop out just because they haven't got the depth, and there's a lot of younger players there. Um, if they continue their home form, though, I mean, I think they've won 10 in a row now at home. If they can if they can get to the end of the season with only one home defeat, that'll probably put them in the top four. Yeah. Um, we so that 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 that's kind of that thing. So then it's a case of oh, we need to be in the top six then to be in Champions Cup. I mean, I just don't see us getting anywhere near that level because you're you're looking at then okay, we've got to compete with one oh, of well, well, I mean, Bath probably are going to be there or thereabouts. Um, uh, Bath, maybe even Bath the top four, really, really good. Maybe Bath even top really four, good. you know. But there, there's a difference, right? So Bath, Bath, Bristol, okay, on on Friday. Really close game. Re- I mean, you know, quite a good old-fashioned ding-dong derby. And Bath come out, you know, they 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 hold out and win the game. Bristol probably should have won it, but they didn't. And Bath did. That's the difference. Um, yeah. I, I just don't see... I, I We're not going to finish bottom, right? I, I can't see us finishing bottom. Newcastle look a very distant side to the rest of the league at this point. Yeah. Um, and I can't see them winning enough games to be... Um, really competing with us, but like Gloucester, Bristol, maybe Northampton. I think Leicester will get better. We're then vying for like that sixth spot, really, if we can get it in and around there. Um, yeah, well, we, we talked about it last week. I think we are we are absolutely not the team that opposition teams go. Oh well, we're not. Gonna, we're we're going to struggle to pick up points there, so we'll, we may as well rest some of our big names. Mm. Right, we are a team, along with Newcastle, that every other team is going to come to, relatively stacked, expecting to win. Yeah, and that brings yeah. with it the problem that we need to be really, really good every week to win, mm. and you know, the some of the the, the best teams. They they know that they'll be they'll be 
teams from the bottom end of the league going to uh, the likes of Saracens, they'll go, well, we're going to rest some of our better players because we know we're going to get dicked anyway. I mean, the one thing I would and, say and they is... they get well, an easy win then. Yeah, and the other thing to bear in mind as well, this season, it's a very different season. So unlike, you know, obviously the first part of this season is when a lot of the internationals are still away, right? Normally, we would get a bit of a double bonus because we don't have as many players away on international duty. We would get autumn internationals and the Six Nations. We'd often get a bit of a uh, sort of a nice purple patch because we would have all our star players or most of our players and all the teams around us might lose a few. And we'd maybe pick up a couple of wins and that kind of inflates us up, put us up the league a bit. We won't get that this year. I mean, we're we're already a quarter of the way through the season and we are... 12 points, sorry, 30, uh, yeah, 12 points off top. And um, if, if you know, we lose to less the next week, we are cut adrift. It's us and Bristol and everyone else is on 16, 20 points and we're on 10 or 11. And that's the problem. You know, you, you it's a very short season. There's not a lot of room for, for mistakes and we've made two or three already. Um, I don't know about you, Snow. I mean, we'll, we'll kind of, pause the chat around the game this this week but in a second but for next week again we just got to play the best team we can possibly play and just yeah, that's it that's that's all we're going to do now we screwed up early in the season by not doing that like we yeah. we we have a, we've got a strong team apart from we do have we obviously do have some injury issues which is affecting the forwards at the minute because on mm. if we don't have injury issues we've got a very good pack well, yeah, I think of it. I'd yeah, yeah, we, it yeah, yeah. Back even and but we do have a problem at ten, mm. and I think we've got a problem at ten anyway. Yeah. Um, but we've and... got we've got like the thing is, Hastings is injured, and he's he's not a bad ten. Well, he's we've okay. Got, he's okay. Yeah, you got Santi. You got oh. Santi, who's an international ten, and the way they were talking in commentary about him not being able to pass off his left hand. I'm like, sorry, he's an international ten. He should be able to pass on his left hand. I don't part. think he's a great ten, though. No, no he's a much he's better. better he's much better fifteen, especially for us. Yeah. But you know, we got Evans isn't a bad ten. Yeah, but I mean, look at it. We're talking about Bath. Well, we got Hastings. They got Finn Russell. Yeah, but mm. they've got more money than they know what to do with. I know, but it's throwing it. It's, it's budgets, right? though, isn't it? I mean, if 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 they got. You know, there's obviously going to be areas of the of the of the game that are going to they're going to get they've gone for the big marquee ten, right? Yeah. Fair enough, that's what they've gone for. What concerns me is we've gone for the big marquee eight when okay. we already had when we already had players, and I'm not <laughs> saying you know we want Zach Mercer, we love him, we think he's brilliant, but let's yeah. be honest that you know you what you what we need probably what we could have probably done with, and this is nothing against Zach Mercer, but we could have done with maybe two or three players in that pack who were good. Like, I'll tell you who's an example. And my dad picked him out because he watched the game on Friday night. Miles Reed at Bath. Really, really, really good. Kind of on the edge of internationals, but really good club-level player, right? Never going to let you down. Massive energy, massive impact. Can play a number of positions. You have three or four, you have two or three of those in in a, in a squad. And you always, in a pack particularly, um, back row, second row, who can do a, that sort of level... That's a massive, massive um, step up from what we've got at the moment. We've got yeah, a lot of young we lads. We have that as well, especially we like second row. Mm. Like we have like Peter Buxton and players like that. And yeah. 
Um, really good club level players. That, yeah. yeah, always work their ass off, grind the hard yards, and then you can put players around them. That the Mercer almost felt like again. Yeah, I agree. Great player. He's going to make a big difference when he's actually playing for us. But it's almost like which good marquee players were we able to sign? Zach Mercer. Oh, great, get him in the side. Mm. Is he the the right position that was going to take us to the next level? I don't think so. No, maybe not. I mean, the we, we will pause in a second and talk about a rumour that has developed over the last couple of days um, around uh, one of our other current star players. And we will also talk about the um, <laughs> Premiership 2 and the RFU's plans to try and modernise rugby, which are already dead. This is Jamal Ford Robinson, and you are listening to the Cherry Jam Podcast. How's that? So, um, uh, over the last couple of days, it's been uh, rumoured that um, Lewis Rizamit is being kind of allowed to go uh, by Gloucester, which wasn't really unexpected. He's going to definitely going to be able to get a contract much above what we can offer him. Um, so is he contracted next season? No, to the end of this season. From what Only I mean, the end of this season. Yeah, which you think about how many years he's played for us, that would be about right. Because I don't think anyone's ever actually. I don't think he's ever renewed. Because if he renewed, that was caused the problem with um, yes. the internationals. He, he got his. He got was it a three-year contract? It might have just been before his first cap. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, that's what I thought. He yeah. Three so he was on an academy contract. We gave him his first professional con- contract just before his first cap. He stuck on that. Um, and let's be honest, he's going to get an amazing offers from France. I mean, apparently Montpellier looking, Bordeaux are looking um, to be to be in, in with a shout. If there's a if there's a bidding war, but at the same time, he's he's a young lad that might not want to go to France. He might think I'll do that later in my career. I, I I think I think it's it's a case of whether you want to or not. It's a very short career. And if well, you yes, get a contract might, might if you a get a contract in France to. if you get a contract in France, there's other things that come with those contracts in France that um around sort of the labour laws in France that mean that it would be daft not to. Um so I think I think it's a no brainer for him. The sort of other side of this rumour, then, it does lead, lend credence to the alleged rumour that we're after Arundel, um, which would be an incredible signing. Um, you know, young English talent. Um, we might pass him yeah. the ball occasionally. Um, <laughs> I this, don't this know. Is joke, Why would he come I mean, to He's doing fantastic <laughs> things in France. Yeah. He gets the ball in his hand. Mm. Um, will he look at Gloucester and go, oh, actually... I don't want to have to go looking for work that much. I want the I want the ball coming to me because I want I want a back you know I want a forward pack that does its job and I want a back line that puts me into space. But yeah, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting situation. How many caps has Louis got? Has he got uh, enough to leave? Twenty odd, thirty odd. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I think that rule. I think that rule's changed now. I think. I think to be honest, there is it, of the is bit, it officially dead. That, I think yeah. it is officially dead now. I don't. That I just don't draw. see how you can how you can justify that when if you're a it's restraint of trade if nothing else. And I think the first person who actually did generally challenge it would probably and, would and if won. it was a superstar like Zamet, yeah, exactly. He go you know. well. I was offered five hundred thousand euros 
to go and play for Montpellier and I was offered 50 grand to go and play for Ospreys. What do you want me to do? Yeah. I'm not playing for, I'm not playing for Wales. You see that front page of the, I mean, whatever it is, tribute and uh, yeah, the WRU would be under a bit of pressure from the fans, wouldn't they, to get him back in? Yeah. So the rumours are that Gloss, uh, sorry, the RFU are going to offer a uh, Arundel a high, a, what's called a hybrid contract, um, and the two clubs that are um, looking at him are Gloucester and Bath. Now, okay. Uh, all I'll say is on the 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 only way that Bath could actually get him in the cap is going to be via some sort of hybrid contract with the RFU pay a proportion of his wages. That's the only way it would work. Um, I read something about hybrid contract um, hybrid contracts the other day. Um, and is, is there a limit? You can only have one per club or something. And Farrell's going to get one, so Itoji's not. So he might be leaving for France too. Yeah, I think it'll, I think it'll end up being the other way around though. You think they'll keep Itoji and say goodbye to Farrell, which would be well, the, the, the rumours are that Farrell's going back to rugby league as well. Is there any money in British rugby league, or is he going to no. go to Australia? To Australia, then there's some money. So there's rumours of Wigan, there's rumours of NRL. I mean, I think I think apparently the NRL were looking at Harrendal as well. That was a, that was another rumour that was going around. Um, I mean, yeah. so just that, on that, well, so Miami just, Dolphins. Is anyone going there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, on that though, Snow, the the sort of idea of a hybrid contract. You just because we'll come on to the RFU in a minute, but do you think that's the good way that the the, the game can go? That we can kind no. of go down this route? No. <laughs> you don't think that that idea of central contracts works? No, because we'll, we'll work. Because where does that money come from? Well, it's coming directly from the R, uh, the, the RFU. It's the RFU right. will well, pay the a portion. Basically bankrupt. So, 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 so how does that work? I mean, well, they, but, they, yeah. they they already they already do it to an extent because you get money back. You get your uh, money back. Yeah. English qualified players and players mm. that are actually a part of the named squad. Mm-hmm. So you could argue <clears> that <throat> that already happens to the extent that they can afford it anyway. So. Yeah. The the only the the only it, it's, it's the RFU would love central contracts because they want to control players because what they care about is the international game. Now they've got an opportunity to try and force that through under different pretenses, if that's what yeah. I would. Um, yeah. <laughs> because people are worried about the security of the Premiership because of all the financial issues. Mm. Um, so they're like, right, great, central contracts, that will solve it. And finally, we get central contracts that we've been desperate for for the last 20 years. And it's just so that they can control those international players. It All it will mean is it takes away from the value that you're getting out of watching and watching Premiership Rugby and being a Premiership Rugby fan. It doesn't work, in my opinion, in sports where the club game is the root of the game. And I think that's still the case in rugby. It's quite rare in a lot of sports. Like It's definitely a case in football. I still think it's the case in rugby. Like there's a, a strong club game where people care about their clubs. Well, yeah. I would much rather Gloucester one stuff than England. Like yeah. my it... my my priority is Gloucester first, Gloucester second, yeah. and then England third. You know, so yeah. And I, you know, I, there yeah, aren't many Gloucester, people that are passionate Gloucester, Liverpool about Liverpool fan or a United rugby. fan yeah. or a City no. fan oh, or whatever. Sorry. No. Yeah, it is a different. I mean, yeah, I think the example that people give is oh, it works in cricket to an extent, and it does. But as you rightly say, Snow, there isn't the fan base around cricket in the same way that you've got with 
rugby. Do yeah, you... they they don't need those internationals turning out for them week in week out when they're when it's you know Lancashire versus Surrey. No, the, the fans. Oh yeah, it'd be nice to see them now and again, but they're not. That's not the basis of the game. Is that all those players are are playing week in week out? It's the international game, and the club game almost supports the international game. Yeah, it does. I mean, and, and, and particularly the short form version. Um, and obviously rugby doesn't have that issue in that it's it's one that, you know, the dominant form is the is the is the 15 v 15. I can't see sevens really getting anywhere near that in the short term because or short to medium term, because there just isn't the um, the appetite for it. Um, sevens but, has died off. Yeah, it has died off a lot in the last five, ten years. Yeah. Well, it's died in this country because if you look elsewhere, I mean, it's going to be the dominant form of the game in America. It's going to be the dominant form of the game in uh, probably in Australia, if you look at it, because it's an easy, it's a, it's, it's probably the easiest way of, of marketing it. It's if you, as soon as you make it an Olympic sport, generally the world, the, the way it works is the big countries will take that form of whatever sport it is and run with it. So when cricket becomes a T20 sport in the Olympics in a few years, in a few Olympics time, that will kill off one, you know, the 50 over one day game because it's an Olympic sport. You that's that's where the funding will go. Um, just on again on on sort of the rumours. Um, the other rumours we we mentioned last week was Will Stewart signing from Bath, um, probably replacing Balmain is the is the rumour. Um, I think on balance, not that we want to see Fred. We don't, you know, every player has a as a as a, a, a limit. Maybe it works out well based on their ages and. Uh, and and things like that. I don't know. What, what's your thoughts, uh, Snow, on on Stewart for Balmain, which is the apparent uh, rumours going around? Um, we'd have to see Stewart. I mean, I I wouldn't be gutted to see um, Balmain go. Mm-hmm. I think he's a classic sort of stopgap, lower Premiership level um, prop. We've got um, a lot. We've got a lot out of him, haven't we? That's, 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 uh, yeah. Other than the last he... season, you know, last season he got injured, but outside of that, he was pretty much indestructible for a year or two. Yeah, and I think we got to our scrum to a reasonable position where it was, um, it looked after itself. Mm. Like we we're, we're rarely dominant, but it looked after itself. This season, yeah. we've we've been under pressure in the scrum. Mm. Um, but again, I, mean, I think that that comes down to lack of cohesion. We've had different props in every game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely doesn't help. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I'm not concerned about it. No. I don't know a lot about about it coming in, um, mm. but it sounds like it's just it's a bit of a weird swap because it's basically like for like, right? Yeah, I mean you've got to basically go for the player you want. I mean, I assume it'll be a case of salary, age. Um, you know, maybe there's an expectation Stewart might be on around the England squad, which gives us extra credits and all the rest of it. Well, yeah. Balmain's never going to be there, so um, there's probably reasoning behind it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just all I'm thinking about is how what changes can we make without changing the coaching setup that's going to change our trajectory this season, and I'm struggling mm. for that answer. Yeah, I think that, I mean we've kind of touched on this last week, didn't we? That, that I think the coaching issue is definitely coming to a head sooner or rather than later. Um, they obviously will have a club. The club will have some sort of um, thing at the outset of the season. You know, these are the targets. This is the minimum target. If we don't hit this minimum target, there's going to be repercussions. Well, we're now 
you know, three and a half years in, well, we nearly four years in by the time that we get to this end of the season. Uh, it, that's probably enough time to judge Skivington and the decisions he's made as, co- as head coach. Um, it's, it's just a case of, do you want to say, bring in a, a coach that's going to do a similar style of rugby? I mean, that's a possibility. We're just going to keep that because we don't want to have to have a whole new revolution of players again. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we could say he's probably saying to the end of the season. So it's like, so what are are there short term signings? Are is there just a completely different fundamental approach to play? Like, how how do we we're talking about those sort of rumored signings and things? What there'll what be next season that, though? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is there that we can do? What we just got? I don't think there's anything. It out. I don't think there's anything we can do, and I think all the talk about. George moving on or being asked to move on or you know whatever is kind of it's kind of pointless because we haven't got the money to replace him there isn't anyone obvious to replace him and actually he, there was a glimpse of something today so it's if if there was if it was a real easy short-term fix, yeah, we're going to sack him and get someone else and results improve because of it. Great. But that's not the case. That's not going to, that cannot be the case. So I think we're kind of in that position and maybe, maybe he knows it. And that's why he's able to be a little bit more uh, conservative. And I think we're not as, we're not a conservative team. Our squad should not be being conservative. And it was really noticeable when we had some of that counter-attack ball and we were running with it so fantastically and offloading. If we played more of that, we'd be yeah, better I agree. at that. And, and we'd be, and teams would be petrified about turning the ball over if they knew that's what they were going to get. They were going to get forwards that are, you know, juggling with the ball and still offloading when they haven't even hit the deck yet and things like this. So I'd say rather than all there, and there is, there's so much rumor about, oh yeah, how much long has he got? Well, mm. it would be nice in a way for the club to just go, we know we're aware there are rumors. We have got no expectation to be, you know, look, looking elsewhere. We've got confidence in George, even if they're talking absolute bollocks, <laughs> like we've got confidence. We've got confidence in George. We're behind him. Um, we can see we can see what he's doing and all the rest of it. Just to try and shut some people up, and and hopefully give George because I think I think he's you can tell he is now realizing that his position requires results, and he's not getting those results, and therefore the pressure is building, and that potentially makes him more conservative like game on game which is counterproductive so a bit like the whole relegation thing if we just say he ain't get he ain't getting sacked we ain't getting relegated let's just play some rugby mm. we might lose a couple more games on the road mm. but if we start playing the brand of rugby that we you know that we've seen uh, we saw last season, and it was never to be repeated. 
Mm. We could see, you know, we saw glimpses of it uh, today at Exeter. I, I'm ev- the ever optimist. Yeah. I think, I, I think we, like, and as we mentioned in the chat, the skill set of, of some of our players, you know, we we have got the ability to play some fantastic rugby. So let's let's try and let them play some fantastic rugby. Yeah, agreed. Um, just before we move on to the RFU thing, Snow, thank you very much for reminding me. Um, with, there was actually one of the kind of very, really sad uh, thing this week. Um, for those who grew up um, in the and watched rugby from the 90, late 90s when Tom Walkinshaw bought the club all the way through to sort of, uh, you know, when the, when the new grandstand was built and a little bit past that, um, one man was kind of synonymous with Gloucester rugby at the time. That was Ken Nottage. Um, and Ken um, sadly passed away this week um from cancer um he'd struggled um during covid as well um and he was a massive massive part of Gloucester rugby always a really lovely man uh to talk to always happy to talk to fans um you'd often see him if you were in the ground um you would often see him walking around chatting before games um you know, i remember being on many european trips and and uh, having conversations with with ken um a real loss, you know, no real age. I think he was what late sixties. Um, a real loss to 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 you know his obviously his friends and family, but for Gloucester rugby as well. Um, and so rest in peace, Ken. I just want to get any any guys your your memories of him generally, or any any sort of personal in, interactions you might have had with him. Well, I just think he was. Um, yeah, you go first, sorry, Jeff. He was one of those guys that kind of started off some of the interaction i know um the ksm had, a, had a, an awful lot to do with him because there was the the sort of share deal the potential yeah. fan um the fan not buy out but you know buy in mm-hmm. um uh, and he was probably that that sort of fans forum type environment where like like you said ed you know on a one to one basis he would talk to fans but also he he started off the whole concept really of engaging with the fans in a broader sense. Yeah. Um, and and trying to get feedback and you know, trying to communicate the the plan or um, you know, the potential ideas and and to, and I and I just think it was a it was a very a very new way of doing things. Um, kind of maybe a bit brave to to let fans especially Gloucester fans be involved in it <laughs> um, but yeah like really really good um, you know family man you know obviously his daughter was working at the club as yeah. well Lucy so it's kind of it shows yeah it's it's just it's, it's terribly sad and um, he will certainly be getting a mention uh, next weekend yes um, uh, and you know, for for those that are maybe a little bit newer, um, newer to the club and and weren't around when he was, um, be be thankful for what he did because I think he's made the likes of Alex Brown's job, um, you know, I'm not going to say easier because it's, but he's he's kind of given him different opportunities to do different things that maybe um, before Ken we weren't doing and we weren't looking at. Yeah, Snow. Um, yeah, I've never had any personal interactions with him, but for me, it's just always been like a face that's part of the club from when yeah. I first started watching Gloucester. And um, 
someone that was always he used to be interviewed a lot he'd like really sort of involved in the um anything to do with the sort of business side of the club that's sort of quite outward facing and i think started to modernize well yeah it was the era moving from amateur to professional rugby where he sort of really helped professionalize um gloucester along with ken we're along with walkinshaw i think walkinshaw was more remote a lot of the time and um ken like lived and breathed the club and i know his family are all local and proper like gloucester diehards and stuff as well so yeah it'd be, it'd be very hard for, for him so yeah it's always sad when someone who's a core part of the club passes on and um quite a young age as well sadly yeah um and and as i said i think that my overarching memory of ken whenever my i i'd spoken to him growing up and being with my dad watching rugby was he was just a nice bloke and i think that does a massive way um when you've got interactions with people and i think um yeah, really sad. And I think you're right, Jim. It's going to be a, hopefully there'll be um, a, a bit of recognition for Ken. I'm sure there will be um, as part of the Slater Cup um, stuff next week. Um, so um, yeah, rest in peace, Ken. Um, final bit, as I said, I mentioned before, which was the um, the RFU stuff. So RFU been kind of toying or kind of getting, trying to get this Premiership 2 stuff off the ground, trying to integrate Championship clubs with the Premiership clubs, future of professional rugby in England, and uh, the Championship clubs just went, nah, not having it. Um, and <laughs> it's like, if you want to give them a load of money mm. to help them, I, I'm, they're they're way up for that, but they just seem to be so out of touch. So like, the, 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 oh, you need uh, to, uh, you need to get more supporters in your grains because you're only getting twelve hundred. Well, I mean, we'll come on to that in a second. So, so I'll just read the statement that they made. They said we firmly believe that a strong second tier is important for the development of. Uh, so this is this is the rugby uh, RFUCO Bill Sweeney, our mate Bill. We firmly believe that a strong second tier is important for the development of the game. It's not something that is easy to get right. We've had consistent talks with the Championship Club since a, since a meeting in Farnborough last February. We have been talking about the shape of Premiership 2, academies, player development and mechanisms. We've not been able to confirm the level of funding, which will have to wait until the Premiership, sorry, professional game partnership is agreed. And it goes on and that. Uh, we've said that we will advise them ahead of next season and there will be some uh, there's been much more dialogue than before it's been a challenge but we are committed to it and we would ideally like to have a system similar to france but the average attendance in the championship is 1300 we need to grow that and that will not happen overnight um the championship clubs responded the 11 championship clubs came together today to debate the collective future whether our league will be best served by capitalizing on the potential of its commercial rights and its brand identity if you'd like to tell me what the brand identity and uh, capitalising on its potential would be in a in a, a, a league that gets has had so far this season eight thousand, I think it was uh, people going to watch it um, uh, to underpin a truly whole game solution to tier two by considering a putative Premiership two based on a franchise franchise model. The clubs agrees unanimously they are opposed to the French franchise model. Now that would sound really good if it wasn't for the fact they've got a franchise in their league, which is the Pirates. It's the literal definition of a franchise. Um, they've um, got clubs like Ealing, who can't get a 1,000 people to their ground. The biggest crowd this week was Coventry Doncaster, which is over 3,000. Oh, don't be wrong, really impressive. That's, but, that's, that's good. Yeah, but... but it's not good enough. Sorry. Um, Heartbreak. Heartbreak. I mean... Heartbreak barely I've, gets I've 750. Been to, I've been to Heartbreak. I've, I've been to Heartbreak and I've watched Heartbreak. 
but they've got a small stadium with mm-hmm. I don't know how many seats, 150 maybe. Um, they ain't gonna get big crowds, no. and they don't. They're not. The infrastructure is not there to get big crowds. I mean, they've got a lovely new car park with lots of electric car charging stations, but they, they've got Gloucester King's Home down the road. They they are happy with their lot. And so just, they're not. Just, yeah, you're not. That's the thing. So not no not only probably two clubs in the entire division want want to get promoted. Um, and I, I I'm going to say want in very heavily inverted commas because there's no evidence that they really do want to get promoted because if they did they would have sorted their grounds out that's the likes of Ealing yeah and yeah like Ealing like Jersey apparently wants to get promoted did fuck all with their grounds in terms of making it a bigger ground um Ealing can't be asked um Doncaster are the only ones who've actually kind of tried and they've now got permission and they would if they were to finish top which they won't, they would get promoted or they would be in a, in a, in a playoff against whoever finishes bottom. If you, and what really frustrates me about this whole debate is every single time we have this, and it, it seems to be every three to six months, there's no God-given right for anyone to be a professional premiership rugby club. But if you're going to get close to it, I would argue most of the teams in the premiership at the moment have got a God-given right to be there because they've all got grounds that hold over 10,000 people they've all got uh, significant amounts of history they've got money or funding in some way regardless of whether you think it's legitimate or whatever and they they actually know how to commercially you know well, at least commercially awkward. sell themselves Gloucester, they, you know this idea that oh, if Gloucester were really had a really bad season get relegated oh you know it's fine no it's not fine Gloucester should deserve deserve to be in the Premiership and should be in the Premiership. Ealing shouldn't. It's very simple. There's no there's no ifs and buts or maybes. Ealing won't exist in five years' time when their owner dies. Um, I you know I get I get really annoyed and also I get really annoyed about the fact that people send surfs will, will be really lazy and say oh no it's not good enough. Well, has something to back it up. Somebody suggested that Bedford were a really good example of why. We should show we should get promotion and relegation back into the pre, into the Premiership. Hey. Bedford's Bedford's ground. <laughs> they don't remember five, what happened. Well, the last time that they what they nearly went bust. Yeah, that one. Bedford have got a ground of five thousand people. Last year they averaged a crowd of two thousand eight hundred and fifty three. Their highest gate was five thousand. Their lowest gate was two thousand two hundred and eighteen. So it's a fairly stable, steady uh, attendance and crowd. Newcastle, whoever one goes and whinges about. Their lowest, they were the lowest average in the Premiership, which is still five thousand six hundred eleven. Their lowest gate was still higher; it was three thousand three hundred seventy-six, and the highest was six thousand seven hundred forty-seven. Yeah, I mean, you you can argue that you automatically get a, a much bigger attendance if you're in the Premiership. Yeah, but, but let, all right, then, but Newcastle, Gloucester, right? During right, I think the bigger storm, issue there is where Bedford is. Yeah, near Leicester and Northampton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so where are they going to get the crew? You know, um, I mean, the, the, the trouble with uh, we've had this debate on the podcast outside, oh, but one of the better. problems with relegation and promotion is that the second division hasn't been looked after. No, and that's where I would make it's, it's a viable because there was a period where if they had properly structured it, yeah, and arguably had maybe even more promotion and relegation, like a one up, one down automatic, and then a playoff or something mm-hmm. that there, there were 
growing teams and okay the economic situation across the country was very different and rugby was thriving off of the 2003 world cup um but there was a period where i i think the rfu premiership rugby whatever bodies screwed up yeah and and we're now in a bit of a mess but that doesn't necessarily mean that fundamentally it wasn't the right thing to do it's just it's going to take a a lot a lot of work to try and get back to a situation where we've got 20 decent self-sufficient well-supported clubs why not and this is what's kind of great to me a bit like tnt have just got the rights to the women's premiership brilliant Mm -hmm. you get a one women's premiership game on tnt every week that's great for growing that game but the fact that the games were on YouTube or the Alliance website already, like you could you could watch it. The coverage is now much better, but you could still watch it. Championship stuff. They had Championship on Sky like quite a while back when Sky lost the Premiership, and they got ah oh, we we've now got some Championship stuff, but nobody wants to show it. I'm like well. Channel 4 and Channel 5 have dipped their toe in the water with rugby. I understand it's probably slightly more expensive to cover a rugby match than it is to cover repeats of Homer, Homes Under the Hammer. But <laughs> why why are we not seeing like championship rugby on terrestrial TV bring rugby to the masses, give people the opportunity to watch it? The sponsors will be like, oh, actually, there's... 800,000 people watching it on TV, you know, or whatever the numbers are going to be. It's not going to be in the millions, but it's going to be, it's going to be a chunk of people watching it. So all of a sudden the sponsorship money might increase. You get a little bit more interest and kind of as Snowy was alluding to, what we need is a situation whereby when you get relegated, it is not the end of the world. You're not going to get quite as much money, but your players you, you can keep your players because you you play rugby to a decent standard not as not as not as the same standard but you can develop your academy and you can play a bit and then you come back up i mean saracens were so ridiculously lucky when they got thrown down that they were in a position where they basically needed to rest their entire squad for a season anyway So, so just, just on, a, on, on the, the things around the promotion relegation. So, again, really important to note, promotion relegation didn't exist in rugby union until 1987. So, fairly long time. Um, the the whole idea of, and again, this there's a couple of things around this. If the championship clubs want to actually still exist in five, ten years' time, at some point, you've got to acknowledge that someone like Rams or old Red Danesians or whatever they're called down in Reading haven't got the facilities or the cash or the ability to compete even at championship level. They're apparently doing really well in the in National One, right? Well, I'm sorry, you're not going to ever hit that. You're never going to get to the level where you're going to be competitive at us to get into the premiership. So what's the point? Just stop, right? That's your cutoff. Championship, that's a franchise model. Fundamentally, the Premiership's a franchise franchise model as it is anyway. The Championship should be a franchise model. You combine the two. If you've got someone who gets pumped for a load of money and they develop a ground and you get five to t- you get I don't know five thousand capacity ground 
with expansion of ability, you can then be considered for a franchise. If someone's getting dicked every week for two years, sorry, you've had your chance. You haven't done anything with it. Off you pop. That's unfortunately the way it should work. Well, it's not a We're franchise. Not... A franchise, the club is owned and run by the governing body. Uh, yeah, it's. I know it's. A, it's a different. It's not like the NFL style franchise or the. Um, you know, it's. It, there has to be private owners in the same way that. Well, no, that is the NFL model, isn't it? The NFL model is is basically you have private owners, and then they all vote as a block. That's kind of the way that that would work. Yeah, no, it, but but literally, there's no money in the club itself. Like everything is everything shared. is done all centrally the money goes equally back to the central. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's all buy done a t-shirt, you buy a yeah. Costa Rugby shirt, and Leicester get the same amount of money. Leicester get the same amount. Yeah, it's it's. I know it, it, it wouldn't. It's not going to work because they did this from the start. We can't we can't destroy everything and start again. Everyone would kick off. Um, what is going to be? But that's that's number one. The other thing that again, just you mentioned there about TV rights, Jim. So the, the championship is saying, oh, we should be able to capitalize on our own brand and our own. We haven't done it yet, have you? You've not you've not even attempted to sell these rights independently of anything else. So you're saying so we're saying the RFU are controlling everything around these TV rights, because if that's the case, sod them off. Say, no, 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 no. We don't want to do the RFU. We want to be our own independent. No, no one wants to watch it. They can't sell it. No, exactly. Because um, who the hell wants to watch a, um, players that no one's heard of? In grounds which will be park pitches in some cases. Yeah, but their um, their their argument that is valid to an extent is because they've been absolutely screwed over for the last fifteen years, and now I would again I would, so they I need, would agree they with that. Some... I would agree with that. However, they took the twenty pieces of silver when the RFU basically said to them that as part of the Premiership deal, you're going to have to have a playoff system to get into the Premiership. You get loads of money for that, by the way. But that screwed oh that screwed anyone ever coming up because they had that no one could prepare. You you know, like we, the best example of that's London Welsh. London Welsh had no real clue they were going to get promoted. Fluke to win over Bristol, which is evidently funny, but they fluked to win over Bristol um to get promoted. And, and then they had three months to prepare a, a premiership squad, which they couldn't manage to do because would how would you? Yeah. Um yeah, you know, the whole yeah. the, But that's the championship clubs that did that. Have a but, decent squad. But the championship clubs voted for that. That's what they voted for because that's where the money was. Well, that's my point, really, is lots of historical mistakes have got have got to the mess they're in now. It's not hmm. a fundamental issue with promotion and relegation as a concept. No, no, I agree with that. Fundamentally, as a concept, it would be fine if the RFU definitely had done more in, in the in the good times. But we're not but, in but, the good but, times but, anymore. Uh, yeah, the, the wood for the trees is the or the elephant in the room. <laughs> different mm. analogy is that <laughs> is that we can't have promotion and relegation at the minute because there aren't any clubs, any clubs in the championship no. that can be sustainable in the future. No. So the focus should be on right. We like we want promotion and relegation as a concept, and we want a strong second division. So how do yeah. we create the best setup to level up that yeah. division, which probably just means pumping them with money. It probably does, thing. but it probably does. But you can imagine if you're the RFU, you don't want to be pumping something in with money if you don't have a lot of control over it, because it's just well, yeah, wasted you're, money. You're a control freak, but I mean, what, the, but the uh, long, the long, the the, 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 the business case for it is that you've got this long-term vision that is better yeah. for the overall game because now you've got twenty clubs that are, I agree, standard competitive, look after themselves, that massive bigger pool of players, better for the international game. More people watching rugby week in week out. There's like a there's a reason for doing it. You're not just throwing money and hoping. 
I know, and I think that's the problem, though. I think the RFU are trying. I think where they to this is what annoyed me about them more than else was though that the championship clubs was like no. Well, you have to engage the RFU regardless of what they've done previously, and you might not like all of the ideas now, but if you engage with them and communicate with them, if, if they're not going to willing, if the RFU aren't willing to engage um, and communicate on good terms fine you walk away but they've not even got to that point yet it's it seems to me that they're just trying to they're trying to do this big show and my sympathy for them has run out and i, I don't care anymore personally i don't care i've never liked promotion and relegation i think it's pointless we're the only the, the only league that doesn't really have it is sorry the, the only league that has it and it works is france every yeah, other but, league in the yeah, every other league what, in the what, world what, doesn't what? have promotion and relegation yeah, but so but, france for the odd ones out in rugby union yeah, yeah only... but why, why does it work in france because they've got historic and cultural differences in the fact that none of the most of the stadia are municipal stadia, so they don't have to they don't get charged rent on you know they pe- their peppercorn rents. They don't have to worry about maintenance and all that all that sort of stuff. You've got a massive population in the southwest of France that are only and only, only care about rugby. They don't have a national football league system that is com- comparable to the to England. Um, so right. where you've got small towns, small towns in, in in England, which have a football club, which is the centre of absolutely everything, replace that in France with rugby rugby union club. If you go if you go back fifteen years though, the second division in France was weaker than the championship. I would argue, yeah, probably. But I don't know. Was so it, was they've it just, weaker? Yeah, was yeah, it, they've yeah, just taken no, two different good. routes. Yeah, but was it, was it massively successful? But then, but again, though, that at, at its at its heart, though. In terms of the championship, maybe having better players than the French uh, uh, second division, yeah, probably. But not equally, now, the, but but no, no, not now. But then, yeah, fair enough. But I think the thing was though, it was always built on sand because the French clubs always had that ability that if they did get relegated, they could always get promoted again because again, their fundamentals. They still had decent crowds. They still had a stadium that didn't require maintenance and that was was the responsibility of the community. And you had a population that actually cared about rugby and didn't have competition from other sports. There's not a lot you can do. I, I think I think we were in very. I think that that actually works quite well as a as a checking point going back 15 years because I think we we're in quite similar places. It's just the French setup was completely different, and and I I don't think we've done much to support the club game, and we certainly haven't done much to support the the other thing that was a big issue was the academy system. Yeah. Where we start, where we started to use the championship clubs as academies for the prem, the dual contracts, because mm-hmm. that just that massively belittled those clubs as being standalone supported clubs with their own players and their own setup and their own budgets, and that that further separated the two. But I mean, I don't know all the re- I have to do a lot of research for to work out all the reasons, but fundamentally they're in quite a similar place. Now the Premiership, the Championship's got a lot weaker. I wouldn't even say the Premiership's got stronger, but the 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 gap has got a lot. The gap's bigger. got a lot bigger, yeah, yeah. And in France, the Premiership standard has got way bigger, much bigger crowds, way more money than it was 15 years ago, mm. and they've been able to bring up the lower divisions to so that the gap, if anything, is smaller between those divisions than it was before. So whatever approaches the two have taken have taken of fundamentally create two very different systems and one of them is very successful and one yeah no I, I don't disagree with that i think if we, if you could go back in time and or even if you go back and say now right okay this is the model we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go with going forward brilliant but it's gonna take 
20 years 25 years for that to even get to a point where it's going to take effect probably yeah, because yeah. we're so we're so far down the, yeah, the line yeah. and i think the other issue again which is a very peculiar it's, it is very peculiar to english sport in that and i think we sometimes overlook this because we are a rugby pod and we love rugby but football isn't just dominant it's ultra dominant like i mean there was i went to forest green on saturday to watch them play because there was bugger all to do and i know uh and they playing grimsby and grimsby brought probably more away supporters than gloucester would take to most games that's league two football you know that's that just doesn't exist that doesn't exist really in any other country i don't think there's that much direct competition though like if uh, rugby fans are generally very separate from football fans and 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 england as a comparison Mm. england is the biggest captive rugby market in the world it is but it's also i mean the other issue of course we we haven't even touched on it we'll probably come on to this next week because i've had some people ask me to talk about this which is ticket prices (laughs) um because that's a whole other thing um and how expensive it is to go and watch rugby um it was 80 quid to stand at bath um on friday night that's ridiculous so at the end in in the end, in yeah, it's eighty quid. It, sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't understand. Is that for for a family of twelve? <laughs> it's seventy one pounds for a gold ticket uh, at, for the Gloucester Leicester game next week. It's forty two pounds uh, for the shed. Twenty seven pounds. Buy gold tickets, can you? Uh, you can. There are some. There are some gold tickets. Hence, for example, you know your ticket. You yeah, tried to, you were looking to get a bath. They're not good. You, you, you're not. No. You're probably on the twenty-two. For a yeah. Gold so the the, the gold ticket you were the ticket that you looked at, I think against Bath Snow, which was seventy-one quid or whatever it was. Quoting no, you. That, that wasn't gold. It wasn't gold. So no, that was that silver was, then. Yeah. So maybe that's maybe there is even higher than that then because that was a shit seat. That was a shit seat. So anyway, there we are then. So it was twenty-seven pound fifty, I think, um, uh, for a tump standing ticket for Leicester. <laughs> Which I, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, uh, you're right. That is another twenty minutes of podcast discussion, yeah. which we will come clearly... back to next week because yeah. oh, it's late. So I'll let you guys go. But thank you very much. I, I enjoyed that. It was cathartic for many reasons. Um, it's it's and... unusual that we would record on the day of a loss. We don't normally do. No, we should but... do it more. I think it's better. We remember <laughs> the game. Otherwise, yeah, we true. have to make shit up. Yeah, <laughs> no one seems to notice snow. I think that's 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 the that's the most important thing. Often in anyway, the background, I'm I'm just reading the match reviews again. <laughs> <laughs> watching watching the highlights as we talk. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um. Uh, Snowy, have a good time away. I think you're off. You're you're abroad again, working. Uh. Jim, have a good week. I will see you next Saturday probably for the double header. Uh. The women start their campaign to uh to retain the premiership title and we have a much-win yeah, game it's, against it's, Leicester and we have a much-win game against yeah. Leicester in the men's and uh, 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 yeah and Leicester that'll be interesting actually because um just talking very briefly about the women's game um Leicester obviously a brand new team in mm. the women's premiership um I haven't seen anything of them previously no they lost in their game today um so right. you know yeah um, but the- or yesterday I, say. I watched the game and I oh, mentioned today, earlier that there was a game on uh, TNT. It was mm. the, the Bristol Sale game. Yes. Um, please, if anyone did watch that and thinks that's a true representation of the quality of rugby that you expect to see <laughs> in the Premiership, don't say over woeful. There yeah. was um, one proper calamitous moment where I think one of the 
props or something managed to neg themselves. Uh, <laughs> and, and actually, I'm talking to my under-14s at the moment about staying out of the 910 channel. Right. And honest to God, one of the sale props, she was just like, oh, like trying to catch butterflies or something, like just stood in the 910 channel. I think she did it two or three times. Um, they should have thrown the ball at her head. Um, so <laughs> it's it's early in the season and there are clearly some people that aren't that fantastic at rugby that are deemed um, capable and will improve. But it, it's kind of good in a way for Gloucester that um, Zoe Oldcroft was kind of quoted as saying, oh, everyone's going to be gunning for us. We're the champions. Yeah. And a bit like I was saying before, I don't think that will be the case. I think when teams come to, to come to Hartbury, come to the Hartbury University Arena, come to King's Zone when we've got the occasional game at King's Zone, I, do, I, I don't think they'll be coming expecting to win. Um, we might get like some, the likes of Saracens, Harlequins, Bristol, mm. Exeter. They'll come with a strong team. The rest probably won't bother, so we'll get relatively easy home wins. Um, but because we are a game down, um, you know there are yeah. nine teams in the league, so we we had the bye because we were supposed to play Worcester. Um, it it kind of means for at least the first few weeks we're going to be mid table. Yeah, we're going to work our way back up to being being there, even if we win all our games with bonus points. So we have the potential to kind of be a bit of that sleeping giant to not people won't realize we're doing as well as we are until maybe a little bit later nearer Christmas. Uh, right. Anyway, thanks very much guys. Snowy, I'll see you soon. Uh, Jim, all the best. See you Saturday, mate. See ya. Charles. Hello.